All right, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to keep moving through the book of Galatians, although, you know, it seems like uh, today's, today's the day to be interesting and different. So we'll do something a little, hopefully interesting and definitely different this morning as part of the sermon. So Galatians chapter 4, we are going to finish up this section, uh, probably if you have a Bible that puts subheadings on there, we probably stopped right in the middle of a subheading. We're going to finish up this section from verses 12 on through to verses 20. If you remember what Paul's been doing, he, it, it all starts out in those very first verses where he's saying, hey, you're, you're giving up on the gospel. You're giving up on salvation by faith in Christ alone, not, not by anything you do or anything you add, not by anything that you brought to it that, that Jesus saves you. That's the good news. That's what gospel means, literally. It's the word good and the word announcement, news, put together. This is the good news, that Jesus has saved you, not because of anything you did. So stop thinking you have to do things. And then ever since those first few verses, he's just been doing all these different types of arguments. He's told stories from his own life. He's asked some questions about their life. He's argued from scripture over the last couple times. We looked at where he was saying, okay, let, let, let's, let's think about just in real life. And he's talked about contracts and agreements and things in real life. And, and you've heard me say before that people in this, this age, the ancients, they don't argue like we argue. They're not linear. They don't put all their thoughts in one topic together. They tend to to circle and loop. And so that's what Paul's going to do now. We're going to finish this section because now Paul's going to tell again a little bit about himself. He's going to go back and do what he did at the beginning. He's going to tell a little bit about himself, a little bit about his history. He's going to remind them of their history together before what we'll look at next week where he starts into another section where he's going to examine the scriptures. So read along with me, Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 through 20. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Indeed, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Jesus Christ himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth. These people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It's fine to be zealous, providing the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. I'm going to do something in this sermon that I never do. I mean, like, you know, a couple times a decade I do this. I mean, if you've hung out in this church, you know how I preach. We read the passage. I work through the passage with you. I want you to understand what did the guy mean when he wrote it? What, what was he saying? What did those people hear? And from that, then, we apply it to our own lives because our situation is probably different. Certainly, our world is different. But first, we want to know, okay, what did he mean for them? What was he trying them? They're trying to explain to them. What do you want them to understand? And then we take that and apply it to ourselves. Or we preach occasionally like what Bob did last week, which if you haven't heard it, you weren't here, you should go back and listen. Bob preached a topical sermon. A topical sermon is where you start with an issue and then you go through all the scriptures. 
You want to know what do the scriptures in total say about something. And so you're not taking one single passage. You're taking lots and lots of little passages. So usually we preach expositorily, which is what I do, just moving through a passage. Sometimes we preach topically. Today, again, I I, I can think of two other times in 11 years of preaching here that I've done this. I'm going to use the passage simply as a springboard to tell you about what's going on with me. I'm going to use the passage because I resonate with so much of what Paul says and what I think is going on with with us and in our church. And, And for him, the stakes are really high because it's the gospel. They're not nearly that high for us. You know, Paul says he was an accidental missionary to Galatians because he didn't mean to stop there. And we don't know why, so we're not told anywhere else, but maybe he meant to pass through and he just got sick. Maybe he got sick somewhere else and they brought him there because there was good medical care. Something happened that he planted a church somewhere he didn't mean to. It wasn't his plan to go there and plant a church. And I resonate with that because I am the accidental pastor. Uh, you know, if you know our story, my family, we were missionaries. I'm a computer programmer. We spent 20 years with Wycliffe Bible translators and fully expected to spend my whole life as a missionary. I, I tell people, you know, I sit in, I'm a computer guy, I sit in dark windowless rooms typing black text on a white screen, bending servers all around the planet to my will. So, I mean, that, you know, that, I am not claustrophobic. Wow, let me tell you. I, I, I could just spend, we were talking about this in the tech booth, right? All this graphical drag. I, I, give, me, give me a black screen with a C and a colon flashing, and I am good to go. When, and the way our mission worked, you do four years overseas in an overseas posting. You do a year home. When you do your fundraising, you also do some work for the mission because most of their people are out somewhere, and they need people to work in the offices at home. Four years out, one year home. Four years out, one year home. That's the pattern. We'd done that several times. In 2011, our year home was summer of 2011 to summer of 2012. And this is, this is my home church. I grew up here in this church. We, we were here thinking, we're going to go back overseas. We're missionaries. And then in Easter of 212, the pastor who was here, he'd only been here a year, he resigned suddenly, like, within a, like resigned on Tuesday, preached on Sunday, and then he left. And so everything's in a turmoil. And the elders asked Elizabeth and I, hey, would you stay here for a couple more months? Don't go back overseas. And Jeff, just take over the preaching and, and obviously the staff, is, people didn't realize that he was so unhappy. And so everybody's kind of, you know, like crazy. And, and Wycliffe is fine with it. We're fine with it. We're like, absolutely. And so we stay and I just start doing the, doing the preaching. I mean, I like teaching. That is not a hardship for me to teach. And I started getting together with the staff in the morning and all we did was pray. We read the Bible and we prayed. I mean, again, I'm not a pastor. I don't have any theological training. I've never been a pastor before. I'm a computer guy, you know? You, you want a program written to, to make sure that your lights turn off at the right time? Hey, I'm your guy. I got a soldering iron. I, 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 can, I can do it all. Um, I don't know anything about running a church. But we just started getting the staff together. Every morning, we just prayed, prayed, and prayed, and prayed, prayed. That, that's all we did. And eventually, after a month of that, the elders asked us if we would stay, and I would become the pastor. And I said, no, <laughs> I'm a missionary. I'm a computer guy. I don't know anything about being a pastor. Thank you. I'm honored. No. 
And, you know, we, we went back and forth on that a bit until God made it very clear to Elizabeth and I that, no, he wanted us to stay here. He wanted us to stay, for me to be the pastor, for us to leave the life we had, which was overseas, her being an accountant, me being in computers, raising our kids somewhere else, and, and live in America. I, this, I bought a car. I never bought a car in America before in my life. I bought a house. These things, that I mean, you just don't worry about this overseas. There are apartments and there's missions complexes and all these kinds of things. We settled down into America. Um, when I started as the pastor here, uh, okay, true, show of hands, who was here when I started back at 212? Wow, thank you. I am honored <laughs> that you are still here, <laughs> all right? Because, wow, this church had some issues, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason the guy left and ran. Um, this church had some issues, and I had some issues, okay? When Paul says, you know, if you could have done so, you'd have torn your eyes out for me. Wow, I resonate with that, too, because I had no clue what I was doing. And you all, you all put up with me. You even encouraged me. Gosh, you even thanked me sometimes for being here. I mean, I so feel what the apostle is saying about, I didn't even mean to be there, and yet you are so, so gracious to me. And, and you know, my, my total, somebody asked me once, you know, what's your, what's your plan for this church? What's your leadership strategy? You know, do you follow John Maxwell, or, or are you more like, uh, you know, Tim Keller, or who's the guy in Chicago in Willow Creek? You know, one, one of these kind of guys, and I said, yeah, no, <laughs> no. My 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 strategy, the way my strategy for leading a church is pray to Jesus and beg Him to tell me what to do every morning because I I, I I'm not a I have no training as being a pastor. I've never done this before, and we really did. We got up every morning. It's like the staff. We prayed. We're like, okay, Lord, what do you want to do today? Where do you want this church to go? What do you want to have happen? And God, in His grace, it wasn't fast and it wasn't easy. But God in his grace over the next several years just started healing all these issues in the church, just started bringing things together and, and moving things around um, until we got to year seven. So now I've been the pastor seven years, and the church is doing really well. Like all those old issues, the, those old hurts, those old ruptures and problems, God has healed all of that. And Tim has just come on. Tim, who actually does know what he's doing, which was a huge blessing from God, that he said, yeah, I had to get it in writing from him. Like, once you sign this, you're never leaving. So, like, oh, my gosh. He actually knows about He's been in ministry for 20 years. He, he knows what he's doing. So Tim is on. He's looking at things. He is being very, very gracious. Like, maybe we should change this. Yes, please. And he also said maybe you should take a break. And so the church very graciously gave us a sabbatical, gave us a month off. In the summer of 219, I'd been here seven years, Elizabeth and I went up to the Adirondacks Mountains in New York, rented a cabin, went to a church camp. We went to four or five weeks of a church camp. You know, every week it's a new speaker. We just go to church every morning, and I wasn't in charge of any of it. I would sit there, and the the screens, the, the, the words wouldn't be right, and things would start messing up, and I would think to myself, I know exactly how to fix that problem, and I am not getting out of this seat. 
something would happen on the stage, somebody wouldn't show up, and I would think, wow, I'm not moving. I'm just going to sit. This is, this is great. Wake me when they get it together. Like, it's just, after seven years of, of, like, hanging on, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. And we're also praying, okay, God, what next? Right? We, we've come through this time in the church of, of struggle and, and rebuilding and putting things together, like, you know, what's next, Lord? We knew Tim was on board. We knew we wanted to be more involved with discipleship. We wanted to be more intentional. We wanted to be talking more about planting churches and supporting missionaries. And I'm just praying, okay, Lord, what's next? What do we do? How do we get involved in these things? I mean, there's so much ministry out there we could be doing. What do you want this church to be doing? What do you want Dunwoody Community Church? How should we plug in? And and God said something surprising to me, um, which was he said, "I, I want you to pay off the debt on the building. Like I'm thinking missions and church planning and we'll do all those things. And it was really, really clear to me that God said, no, the first thing you need to do is pay off the debt. Because our bankers are great, I love them. We give them a little over $12,000 a month. So that's our mortgage on this place. Um, At the time, we owed about $2 million. Uh, We pay about $12,000 a month. And I was really, I was convinced what God said was, you, you need to pay that off, and then you've got $12,000 a month to spend on church planning and missions and all those other things. Like, our missionary budget is less than half of that. Our missionary budget's around $5,000 a month. We give more than double to the bank. And so, like, uh, okay, great. How do we do that? Because I, I don't know if you noticed, Lord, but I don't have $2 million. How do we pay this off? So, anybody remember this? Sunel dukumen. It's a Greek word. It's a word from the language. It's in the Bible a few times. It's pronounced, that's about as close as I can come in English. Sunel dokumen. The little curly Q is the accent. Sunel dokumen. In the language of the Bible, in Greek, What it means is we agree completely. Like if if you're having a discussion and somebody says, oh, let's do this, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm in. We're in. What you say is, sunel dukumen. Absolutely. We're, we're, We're in. We totally agree. But as I've told you before, in the language of the Bible, they love to make words out of other words. Like we do that occasionally. We'll put a couple words together in English, you know, like bookworm right? We'll take two words and put them together to, to mean something else. Or we'll say logical and illogical. Or, but wow, in the language of the scriptures, that, that there's four different words in sunel dukumen, all put together. And that is not unusual. You open up any random verse of the Bible, I guarantee you two or three of the words in that, just that, the, the, you know, that 10 or 12 words, they are these sorts of compound words. They just love putting words together. So I'm praying like, okay, Lord, the next right thing for us to do is to pay off the mortgage. How do we do that? (laughs) How in the world do I raise? We get $2 million. And I I mean, I joke about this, but I'm legitimately saying to God, should I start digging for oil in the parking lot, right? Should we sell the place and, and pay it off? Should we sell off part of it? Should we do something else? Should we start a gambling casino in the basement? What, what should we, how do I get to million dollars. I'm a missionary. I haven't seen two million. If you add up all the money I've ever raised in my life, it doesn't come to two million dollars. And as I'm reading in the scriptures, just you know my daily devotion, same thing I tell you all to do, right? Read your Bible every day. 
a part of my, what I do is I'm reading in the Greek, and I come across this word, sunel-dukumen, and I don't recognize it. It's not that, it's, it's not used that. It's only about four or five times in the Bible. I looked it up. It's only like 20 times in all of known Greek literature. It is not a common word, but I know each one of those little pieces, so I read it by putting the pieces together. I don't know that it means to, to agree completely. I read it the way it actually means. The men means we. The doku means ex, the verb to expect something, to think something is going to happen. The el means good, and the soon means together. So I read it the way it's written. We expect good together. In the language of the Bible, when you say, I'm in, yep, I'm in, I'm, I'm there, count me in, what you are literally saying is, we expect this will be good if we do it together. If we're in this together, we expect that this will be good. And, and you know, God speaks to different people different ways. Some of you speak you know, in prayer, sometimes he speaks in, in, in impression, sometimes it's the, the Spirit may just speak to you. For me, it's in Scripture. That is the normal way God speaks to me, is when I'm reading scripture. And that, like, when I looked that word up, I both read it this way and then also, you know, tapped on it in my electronic Bible that pops up the English definition. Wow, light bulbs went off in my head. I'm like, oh, that's how we raised $2 million. We raised $2 million because we think that if we do this together, it'll be really good. We don't go out and try and drill for oil. We don't dig for diamonds. We don't try and find this one, but we don't start a gambling casino in the basement. We don't start buying lottery tickets. We don't look for the one big score to get $2 million. We're going to do it together. We're going to expect that if we do this together, it will be good. And so I came home from that sabbatical and I talked to the elders because this is not a pastor-led church. This is an elder-led church. Tim and I, we run the day-to-day. We're the upfront guys, but the elders decide. It is the elders who oversee these things. And so I brought this back, and we prayed about this all fall. And they all said, oh, yeah, that could be. What does Tim say? That's an idea worth praying about? Yeah, that's an idea worth praying about. We prayed about this all fall and said, yeah, absolutely. We, we, yep, we think this is what God's doing. We think the next right thing for our church is to pay off the debt. And then use that money, that $12,000 a month that we have been given to our bank, start plowing that into ministry. Start investing that into church planning. Start investing that into missionary. Start Take that ministry wall we have and dramatically expand it. Again, if we weren't paying for this building, we wouldn't have a mortgage, we could double that wall immediately and still have a couple thousand dollars left over every month to spend in ministry in other ways. So we prayed all about that, we agreed. Yep, this is what God is calling us to do. That, that winter in February, we started talking about it to you. We started, I started preaching about it, about giving. And then in, I think the second week of March or something, we were gonna have the big finish, you know, the, the commitment cards and all those things. And if you were here in March of 2020, you know what happened. Um, the, the week of our big finish, we're going to bring this all together. We're all going to commit to it. It's going to be good together. Georgia shut down. And we stopped meeting for the next, I don't know what it was, four or five, four or five months. And so Sunel Dukuman just kind of got put on the back burner. But God is gracious. And you all 
you all are really gracious. On January 1 of 2020, we owed $2 million on this building. And on January 1 of 2022, we owed 700,000. You all gave one point, yeah, amen. You all gave $1.3 million in the middle of a global pandemic. When the rest of the world was shutting down, wow, DCC was ramping up. That's amazing. Churches, so many churches folded over those two years. We paid off two-thirds of a $2 million loan, paid all our bills, and put money in the bank. Like you, again, Paul says, you know, you would have torn your eyes out. You tore your wallets out, clearly. Um, I mean, that, that is phenomenal. Paul also says, I'm I'm perplexed. I'm concerned. Here's what concerns me. Today, I looked it up this morning. Today, we owe $628,000. In two years, we paid off $1.3 million. And in the last year, we've paid off $70,000. Like, we just stopped. We went gangbusters for two years, and then boom. We just, we just stopped. We, we, we've given like $60,000, $70,000 this year. We were doing that every couple weeks for the first two years. Um, this, is still, this is still the right thing for us to do. I still expect good together. But I want to say what Paul says to, to the Galatians. Now, again, his stakes are so much bigger because it's the gospel. M- m- mine is a mortgage. But I feel what he is saying. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You asked me to stay and pastor this church. And we said yes. We said yes with some grief and some tears. We loved Wycliffe. We loved being missionaries. Uh, we loved what we did. We loved the people we worked with. But God made it clear This is where he wanted us to be. And so now, a decade later, I'm turning around and returning the favor. Um, This is what we need to do. We need to finish and we need to pay that off. Because there is a lot of ministry out there that God has for us. There is a lot of work. We, we, We need to double that wall we need to start looking into Shambly Community Church and Doraville Community Church and Roswell Community Church and whatever else. Atlanta is not saturated with good, solid churches. There is a ton of work out there. And the Lord has put our name on some of it. He doesn't need us. He can do it himself. And frankly, if we don't step up, he'll find somebody else. But this, this is the right next thing for us to do. We need to pay off that last $600,000 and start taking that money that we use every month, that we give to the bank, who are lovely men. I am so grateful for them. I don't want to give them any more money. We have given them millions of dollars for the privilege of borrowing millions of dollars. Right? You know, you pay, you pay what? Two, three times? Um, We have given them plenty of money. The Lord will provide for them. I pray that all the time. God, provide for our bank just through someone else. (laughs) Not not through us giving them $12,000 every single month. This, 
This is the next right thing for Dunwoody Community Church to do. And we're not going to put a thermometer out front, although there's nothing wrong with thermometers. And we're not going to have, a, 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 you know, a, we're not going to bring in a bunch of guys and speakers. We're not going to have some big program. We're not going to do a stewardship drive. I preached four or five weeks on giving a couple of years ago. I'm good for now. I think you are too. I'm sure we'll do it again at some point, but it's not going to be right now. I just want to say to you what Paul says. Become like me, for I became like you. We stayed to pastor this church because you, and more importantly, the Lord, asked us to. And so I'm asking you, we got to do this. Like, this is the next right thing for our church to do. Now, if we do nothing, if we don't give another dime, if I never make another mortgage payment, or a, what do you call it, principal-only payment, we're going to pay that off in the next five-something years. Because again, we're give, of the $12,000 we give them, like nine-something goes towards principal. In five and a half years or so, we are going to pay this off. Please don't make me wait five and a half years. I have waited 10 years already. This is one of the things, when God asked me to, to take this church and to pastor it, this is one of the things I said to him, no. This church has $2 million in debt, and it cannot pay its bills. No, absolutely not. I'm not tying myself to that. And the Lord said, trust me, I'll take care of it. I said, okay. Today's the day. I mean, now's the time, right? It, it, and he has. He's taken care of 1.4 million of it. It's, it's time to take care of the rest. This is the time. We can do nothing, and five years from now, we will start investing in ministries, we will increase our wall. We will start looking at church planning. We will do all those things. I don't want to wait five years, do you? I mean, I, there is so much that God is doing out there. You, 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 you hear it in Paul. Yes, be zealous for what is good. Be zealous for what is right. Let's be zealous for ministry. Let's be zealous for, for expanding our reach. For people knowing who this church is because of what God does. Now, you've heard me say and heard us say all the time on staff, we don't care if any of you ever remember where you go to church. If you drive out of here and somebody asks you, you know, tell me about your church, we don't care if you can't remember the name. What we want you to say is, oh my gosh, God. Like God, God is there. God's spirit is there. God talked to me. I, I, I heard God from his word. We want that to be true in more and more places. Now, hey, one day the sky is going to crack open and it is going to be true everywhere. I mean, if we do, it's like salvation. You are saved. Even if you do nothing, you're saved. Even if you never obey again, you're saved. Jesus has saved you if you are his follower. If we never do anything, Jesus is going to return and set everything right. Oh, but wow, I want to be involved in that. I don't want to wait five years to start. I don't want to wait till Jesus comes back. I want you to join with me because I joined with you. I want you to be zealous and excited about what God is going to do with us. But first, we got to finish paying off this building. So again, no campaigns, no thermometers. I'm not going to call. You're not going to get a call from me later saying, 
together for breakfast. I'd like to talk to you about something, right? Okay, no, I'm just gonna do what I always do. I'm gonna ask you to pray. Just gonna ask you to pray. Ask God if he wants you to be involved with this. Every dollar you have is his. Every dollar I have is his. Every dollar this church has is his. He can direct you to give where he wants you to give. If that's to Sunel Dukuman to pay this off, amen, great. If that's to some other ministry somewhere else, amen, great. It's all his stuff. We all work for the same guy. However he decides to do this, right? I am not asking anybody to write a check for $600,000. Although, of course, you know, if God says that to you, I don't want to say no. I'm not going to be like, no, no, I can't take your money. No, absolutely, I'll take your money. I, I'm not proud. No. This is the next right thing for us to do. So I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray, to be praying over the next days, weeks, months, whatever it is, ask God's spirit. Do you want us to be involved in this? And if so, what do you want that to look like? And see what he says. And whatever he says, do it. And do it with joy. And do it expecting good. This isn't a burden. It's not like, oh, fine. I was going to spend that money on a boat, but here. Um, Expect good. We expect good together. We expect that if we do this together, the Lord is going to bless it. Just like, oh my gosh, we paid off two-thirds of it in a global pandemic. Wow, did God bless that. God will bless this as well. I'm going to pray. You pray. Ask the Lord, you know, how does he want you to be involved in this? And if his answer is he doesn't, great. Then absolutely, with a smile, do nothing. If he says, here's what I want you to do, then do it. If he says, here's what I want you to try, you know, my prayer over the past couple of years has been that God will bless you abundantly, that you'll have a bunch of extra, and you'll know, oh, that's why that happened. The Lord wants me to do this with it. He wants me to give it. He wants these things to happen. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to be quiet for, you know, I mean, it's going to be 30 seconds. It's going to feel like an eternity. It's just the way these things work. See if God's Spirit says anything to you. So pray with me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Gosh, thank you that you have preserved us. There were times in those early days when I know many of us wondered what was going to happen to this church, what you were doing, how you were going to be involved. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so, so much for your kindness to us. Thank you that you have preserved your church. And we certainly gave you opportunities and reasons not to. But you are good and you are gracious and you are merciful. And I think of what the psalmist says, you know we are dust. You know that we are dust. You are kind and generous to us. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity to us that that we have gone from a $2 million debt to a $600,000 debt. In the middle of a time when the economy was shut down, thank you. That is your graciousness to us. Lord, now we pray. How do you want us to finish this? This is the next right thing for our church to do. This is what we need to do before we do all these other things that you are going to call us to. How do you want us to be involved, Lord? How do you want us to do that together? Who do you want to be involved? I pray, Holy Spirit that you would speak to us. I pray for all the folks sitting here listening to me. I pray for all the folks who will watch this on TV. How 
How do you want each of us to be involved together? We, we think this will be good together. How do you want us to be part of together, Lord? And we say again, Jesus, this is your church. We are your servants. Everything we have is yours. You direct everything the way you desire. And everything you desire is good. So I pray for my brothers and sisters right now, for everybody here with me, for everybody who'll watch at some point. Holy Spirit, speak to us. How do you want us to be involved? Do you want us to, to give money? to be part of paying off this debt? Do you want us to be involved in this? Are there other things you'd rather we be involved in? We expect this to be good together. Jesus, show us how you want us to be part of that. Holy Spirit, speak to us. As Bob reminded us last night, we thank you in everything. We thank you that, that, yep, we haven't paid it off yet. We thank you that we will. We thank you for all of the, the good things that you will do through this church. All of the ways that you will make your name known. All the ways that you will bring healing and salvation to people. All the ways that you will be good and kind to this dreadfully fallen world. Jesus, we know one day the sky will split open. You will return. You will set all things right. How do you want us to be part of setting things right until then? Thank you. Thank you so much for your kindness to us, Lord. We pray all these things, Jesus, always in your name because we love you and we're yours. Amen. Now, Let's do what we do every week. Let's remind ourselves. You know, the Lord doesn't ask us to do anything that he has not already done for us. Jesus doesn't ask any of us to die to pay off a church debt. He doesn't ask any of us to, to trade our lives for other people's salvation. We all sit here, let's face it, in, in pretty good comfort as opposed even to most of the rest of the world. We remind ourselves each week that this is true because of what the Lord has done. This is true because he has given himself for us. And scripture said he thought that was a joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned the shame of dying like a criminal on a cross executed by the Romans. I'm gonna pray for us again. After I pray, there's four stations, one in each corner that have the, the bread and the cup. When I finish praying, just hop up, go to any of the stations that are near you or maybe the ones that look a little shorter. There's also gluten-free down here. If you need that, get the bread, get the cup, bring it back to your seat. I'll lead us in taking it. We'll take it all together. Um, we practice what is known in the vernacular of churches as open communion. You do not have to be a member of this church. You simply have to be a Christian. That, that's all that we ask, that all of you who have committed yourself to Christ 
then this is to remind us of that commitment. If you've never made that commitment, then please don't take it because you can't remind yourself of something you haven't been willing to do yet. And hey, as I say so often, if you've never committed yourself to Christ, today's a good day. Today's a really, really good day. He is generous and he is kind and he is merciful. And he will hear you if you say in your mind to him, yeah, I believe this. I believe that you died to save me and you came back from the dead. So let's pray again. I thank you, Lord. And we say that at this point in the service every single time. Thank you. You did not have to do this. As we remind ourselves each week, you could have chosen justice and stood apart from us and we would have been justly destroyed. But you didn't. You chose mercy and you entered in. We remember what the psalmist says, that your throne is founded on righteousness and justice. But what flows from your throne is not righteousness and justice because that would drown us. What flows from your throne is mercy and love because you have taken justice on yourself. Thank you. Thank you that you have conquered death, that we do not fear the most frightening thing in the universe. Death could not hold you. It will not hold us. Thank you. We are so grateful, Lord. We do now what you told us to do when we gather. We remind ourselves. And so we pray these things in your name again, Jesus. Amen.